0: Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 is where we are going to be today, verse 4. Uh, My question for today is, do you know where you're headed? Do you know with confidence that you are going to heaven? Everybody who is going to heaven has something in common. And what they have in common is there's a before and an after. There's a before and an after. In the Bible in verse 1, Ephesians 2 verse 1, it says, You were... And then in verse 4, it says, but God. So my question for you is, do you have a before and an after story? I found these pictures of animals. uh, Cats are hilarious, right? Before and after a bath. So check out these pictures. Here is the cat before and after the bath. Very different. Here's another one. Before and after. Here's another one. Before looks very different than after. And another one. and after. Check that out. Now you can see, clearly, there is a big difference before and after the bath. And in, in this case, the cats looked much worse after the bath. Uh, when it comes to you and me, we have to have a before story, before Christ. And then an after and thankfully we look a whole lot worse before and we look a whole lot better after let's pray and then we'll talk about how we can have confidence that we have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ let's pray father we pray that you would bless us as we get into your word help us to understand what it means to know you help us to understand what it means to be transformed by Jesus Christ this Easter weekend, help us to understand why he died on the cross, what happened when he rose again, and how we can know that we're going to heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, in Ephesians 2, verse 4, here's what it says. It says, "...but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ." For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Well, let's go back to verse four, where it says, But God. Verse one, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Verse four, But God. So God changed something. And the first thing you can write down is this I was dead, but God was rich in mercy. I was dead. But God was rich in mercy. It says in verse 4, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. God is full of mercy and abounding in love. And then it says about us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, wow. So this sermon begins in a grave, your grave. And this is kind of a terrible place to start a sermon. It's a terrible place to start a morning in your own grave. That's where the Bible takes us first. It says we were dead in our trespasses. Wow, that's a really bad place to be. So we're starting at this very low, dark place. And this is meant to describe our spiritual condition before we know Christ. We were dead, we were low, it was dark it was hopeless. When I think about low, dark places, I think physically uh, on this earth, the lowest, darkest place I've been is in a cave. When I was training to become a pastor, we went on this retreat with a few other pastors. We were all training together. So this was like uh, the year just before we would plant this church. And I've got some pictures of when we visited a cave. So check it out. This is uh, Pastor Ryan in training. And uh, don't I look young? And there's me getting ready to go into a mine, into a cave. And here's another picture of uh, my buddies. We were all getting ready to plant churches together. We've got our helmets on with our flashlights on them and we're all geared up. We even needed the harnesses because we were going to rappel down deeper and deeper into the darkness. Here's another picture of us in the cave and we're walking around exploring. And then this next picture is us in the darkness. Now, One of the most terrifying moments was when we were deep in the cave in the darkness and they had us turn off our headlamps for a little bit. And oh my goodness, if if I had to stay there for long, I was getting claustrophobic, I was getting scared. And this picture of being underground, consumed by darkness with no light, death, right? That's spiritually where we start in this world, where we start with God. So before... I was dead, but God was rich in mercy. Jot this down. What does it mean to be spiritually dead? Well, I couldn't know God or live for him. I couldn't know God or live for him. Death means that my relationship with God was broken. Death means that my life could not um, become what God had intended for me. So I can't have the relationship with God that I was meant for. And I can't live the life that God designed me for. That's what it means to be spiritually dead. And I had no hope of knowing God. And I had no hope of living the way that God wanted me to live. But God was merciful. And the word mercy means to meet us in our misery. God met us in our misery, in our darkness, in our death. He came. And he abounded in love, great love. So God desired to help us. He desired to save us. How did he do that? Well, he sent Jesus Christ into the world. He sent Jesus Christ down from heaven to earth on a rescue mission. That's God's love. That's God's mercy. What did he do when he saw our darkness and our need? He did something by sending his son. So I was dead, but God was rich in mercy. Jot this down. I needed rescue from the grave. I needed rescue from the grave. The Bible says that our problem is death. Our problem is death. And if we have, if humanity has a death problem, then we need life as a solution. God shared with one of the prophets in the Old Testament, Ezekiel, a vision, and it was one of the most terrifying visions in the Bible. In Ezekiel 37.1, he writes about this vision, and here's what it says. The hand of the Lord was upon me, And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones And say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Now, I don't know what it was like to be Ezekiel in that moment, but he's standing in this field full of bones, dry bones, so many bones. And as if that wasn't terrifying enough, God says, tell him to live. And Ezekiel did. And it says in in 37.10, So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. The Bible says that they were clothed in flesh and blood and and that they became living beings again. Now look, this vision, this horrifying vision is meant to show us humanity's greatest problem. Spiritually, we are dead and that's leading to physically we're going to die. But, but through the message of hope, God can bring new life to the world. I was dead, but God was rich in mercy. I couldn't know God or live for him. I needed rescue from the grave. Hey, this starts with a before picture. And if I were to hold up a before picture of you, it'd be a pile of dry bones. But God was rich in mercy. So number one, I was dead, but God was rich in mercy. Number two, you can jot this down. I was fallen, but God raised me to the highest heavens. I was fallen, but God raised me to the highest heavens. It goes on in chapter 2, verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 6, And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus so he gave us new life in Christ and rescued us from the grave but that wasn't it he took us all the way up to the highest heavens with Jesus Christ and seated us with him on his throne so this picture now the first picture was one of death and Jesus brought us back to life. The second picture is one of distance. Uh, The distance is now we're all the way down here, and God's all the way up there in heaven. How can we get from here to there? How can we get from the lowest point to the highest point? That's the question now. When I think about the highest place, the highest places I've ever been, uh, you know, I've been in the Willis Tower. We got a picture here of the Willis Tower in Chicago. I've been up there looking down, like on the whole city. And uh, maybe you're afraid of heights. I'm a little afraid of heights. I didn't do that thing where you walk out on the glass because I heard some people had it crack under them at one point. And so, but to, but to look down to get to a high point, it gives you a new perspective. I've been in an airplane, so I know what it's like to look down and see all the roads get super small and all the cars get teeny tiny. Um, How far can you get away from the earth? Well, some people have been on the moon. Here's a picture from the moon of the earth. Wow, that's that's like high. That's like the highest anyone has ever been in, ever, in humanity, is to go to the moon and to look down on the earth. So this idea of having a distance problem of I'm down here, God's up there, how can I get from this lowest place to this highest place shows us one more problem. And look, us trying to get to heaven from earth, we might as well be trying to jump and grab the moon. It's hopeless. I can't get from here to there. I've got no chance of getting from here to the moon, let alone heaven. It's so high up there. I was fallen, but God raised me to the highest heavens. It says in verse 6, He raised us up with Him, And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Uh, What does this mean? Well, it means, you can write this down, that Jesus died and rose again in victory. Jesus died and rose again in victory. So when my faith is in Christ, I'm unified with him. And I'm unified with him in his life, his death, his resurrection, and then his ascension to the throne in heaven. Jesus stepped down from heaven, light into the darkness. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross, not for his own sins, but for your sins and for mine. And the wrath of God was poured out on him, and he paid the penalty for all sin. And then he died. But then on Easter Sunday, he rose again to new life. And eyewitnesses saw him for 40 days. Then he he ascended to the very throne room of heaven where he sat down, to rule. All authority, the Bible says, in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Now, when the Bible describes what God sees in us, oh, it starts with death. It starts with a pile of dry bones. It starts with we're lower than we could possibly go. But then, if we know Jesus Christ as Savior, guess what? God sees us as if we died God sees us as if we were raised to new life God sees us as if we were risen to the very throne room of heaven where we are now seated with Christ wow wow Jesus died and rose again in victory this is called the gospel this is the basic truth of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to save all of humanity from death when I think of a great sacrifice a heroic sacrifice I think about uh, now that you know, we're all sheltering in place, I've had a lot of time to go back and rewatch some of those Marvel movies. And so there's, there were 22 Marvel movies uh, leading up to Endgame, which became the number one selling, grossing movie of all time. $2.7 billion. And so when I think about Avengers, some of the scenes that I remember most would be the scene when Doctor Strange was trying to figure out if the world can be saved. Here's a picture of Dr. Strange, and he was getting all weird. And he was trying to figure out, how how can we do it? Can we win? Is there even a way that we can win? And then they walked up to him and said, what'd you do? And here's what he said. He said, I went forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. And then Spider-Man said, how many did you see? 14,605. 14,605." And then Tony Stark said, how many did we win? Dr. Strange said, one. One. We later found out that that one way, that that only way, involved Tony Stark laying down his life to save the whole universe. I was intrigued when I read an interview with the writers because they shared about this great burden that they had. They had a whole universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, 22 movies coming to a climax, and they had to figure out how to end it. They had to figure out the climax that would make it a bestseller. They had to make these decisions. What concept could be so universally captivating to the whole world that this would become a movie number one? Number one of all time. Well, somebody asked them, did Tony have to die? And here's what they said. They said this, sacrifice is what makes them a hero, not powers. That's profound. When they had to decide the culmination, the way that humanity could be saved, sacrifice is what makes them a hero, not powers. Wow, that is amazing. That is amazing. Tony Stark laid down his life. We got a picture of Thanos here, which was their greatest threat. Right? They're trying to stop him. But let's get back to our universe now. In our universe, uh, our greatest threat is not Thanos. All right, Thanos took off his purple makeup and went home when filming was done. Our threats are real. Our universe is truly in peril. We are hunted by sin, by death. By the prince of darkness and listen their power is not computer generated it's real it's real and our world truly is in peril and listen there's only one way we win there's only one way we win and it's with the sacrifice of the only person who could do something about it jesus christ came into the world to save sinners Jesus Christ came into the world to lay down his life so that we could live. That makes him the hero. That makes him the one who deserves all the glory. He's the only way. He's the only hope we have. Jesus died and he rose again in victory. Jot this down. By faith, I'm united to him in heaven. If I believe in him, then I'm unified with him. And the Bible makes this audacious claim. It says this in verse 6 God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wow. This means by faith in Christ, I have been united with him, and I am raised with him to the highest heavens. The highest heavens is where God's throne is. And where the Son of God rules. And if my faith is in Christ, listen, listen. When God looks at me, he sees it as if I'm already there. In God's eyes, it's already done. That is unbelievable. How can we have confidence that we're going to heaven when we leave this life? In God's eyes, it's already done jesus alone can promise us heaven because jesus alone conquered the grave jesus told the thief on the cross next to him today you will be with me in paradise and listen no one else on this planet no one else who's ever lived can make you that promise only jesus can god's plan from genesis to revelation was to have us rule with him we were created to be image bearers of god we were created to share in his glory, and that includes his authority and his rule. But the thought of us getting to heaven and sharing a throne with, with the king of glory is oh, it's just breathtaking. And it makes me feel like I definitely don't belong there. I surely don't deserve that. That's why it's by faith, and it says it's by grace. We get what we don't deserve. We go where we don't belong. I remember when I was in college, we took a trip to Washington, D.C. And we went sightseeing. We saw the Lincoln Memorial, the Washington Monument. We saw, we saw everything. And we went to Congress. And we were walking around for a long time. And I drank too much pop. And so as we were walking around taking pictures, I was like, this is so amazing. And I was like, oh boy, I have to go to the bathroom. I drank too much pop. My dad said, you can't go to the bathroom here. This is Congress. And I said, I have to go. And he said, well, go ask if you can go. And so I walked in and there was a security guard there and they had this checkpoint, mean, big, tough security guards. And I said, I have to use the restroom. And he said, what are you talking about? I'm not letting you in here. And I said, no, I really have to go. We've been walking around for a long time. I can't hold it anymore. He said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, I'm not kidding. He said, all right, fine. He said, I'll let you in for five minutes. So, so there I was. I was in Congress and I was walking around thinking, I don't belong here at all. And there were these statues and all these powerful people walking around. And then little old me who drank too much Coke. And so I got in and I got out. Because if I stayed longer than I belong, I would have gotten in big trouble. And I I think that that's kind of how it's going to feel when when I get to heaven. I'm going to walk in and be like, I don't belong here. I, what am I doing here? When I get to heaven, Listen, I'm not going to say, where's my crown? I I mean, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to say, where's my mansion? Frankly, if I just got into heaven and then I got to like uh, live in a van down by the river, all right, I'd be happy with that. So this idea of me being invited to, to sit on the throne with Christ, wow, that is an unbelievable picture of just how accepted I am by God. It says that he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And in verse 7, it says, So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. When I read this, I think to myself, Jesus is the rightful king of heaven. Jesus is the hero who died to save us. Jesus is the one who laid it all down for humanity. And I'm going to get it to heaven because he's giving me something I don't deserve. I'm going to get to heaven because he did something I couldn't do. He brought me from the lowest, lowest, darkest depths to the very highest places of heaven. And that's to God's glory, the immeasurable riches of his glory. He brought me from death to life. He brought me from the lowest darkness to the highest light. Wow. Number one, I was dead before, but God was rich in mercy, after. Number two, I was fallen before, but God raised me to the highest heavens, after. Number three, jot this down. I was helpless before, but God saved me by grace, after. It goes on in verse eight to say this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, So that no one may boast. Grace means that we get something we don't deserve. We we get something we could never earn. And the only way that we are gonna be saved is by grace, by God handing us heaven. I was helpless, but God saved me by grace. The picture here is of our works being worthless. You can jot this down. Good works do not result in eternal life. So many people live thinking they're doing a pretty good job. So many people live thinking that they hopefully have done enough. And they think that because they've done religious deeds or ceremonies, rituals, or routines, or they've been charitable or good, or they've avoided a lot of the bad, they think that they're pretty good. In fact, if if I were to say right now, hey, write down why you think you're going to heaven, there'd be some people who are watching this who would say, well, I'm a pretty good person, or I'm religious, or I've lived life the way I thought it should be lived. All of that reflects your relying on your own effort, your own works, as if getting to heaven is going to be the result of you doing certain things or you not doing certain things. Hey, listen, I've got to tell you, the Bible warns you that that is a dead end. If you think that you can earn your way to heaven, if you think that you can escape your way out of hell, you're on the wrong road. We've got a picture here of a bridge that's out. This bridge is out. And listen, I've got to warn you, if you think you've done enough to secure God's favor, if you think you've avoided sin enough to to get out of God's judgment, you're sitting in that truck. And it's skidding further toward the edge every day. And soon you're going over. You're going over. We are helpless and God has to save us by grace. Religion can't cure a death problem. Only life can do that. And only Jesus can give you new life. I was helpless before, but God saved me by grace after. And then it goes on to say this. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's amazing. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. That means that you have to be born again. You have to become a new person, a new creation to be acceptable to God. You, 2.0. That means that if you're just trying to add on extra works, if you're just trying to subtract more bad deeds you're not doing it right that's not you can't try harder and jump and reach heaven that's not the way it works the bible says that you have to be born again a second time and only jesus can give you new life i was helpless but god saved me by grace i was fallen but god raised me to the highest heavens i was dead But God was rich in mercy. Let me ask you this. Do you have a before and an after story? Do you have a before and an after story? Have you realized good works do not result in eternal life? And have you realized this last point, that eternal life results in grateful service? Do you serve God because you love Him and because He saved you? Or or do you serve Him out of duty, out of ritual, fearing that maybe you haven't done enough. The truly saved person works for Christ out of an overflow of joy because we know we've been born again. The Bible says very clearly, by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Let me close by asking you this question. Do you know you're going to heaven? Do you have a before and an after story? When did you receive the free gift of eternal life? When did you turn away from your life of sin? All of your sin? When did you forsake the road of religious effort and and moralism, trying to be a good person? When did you realize that was a dead end? And when did you say, Jesus, only you can save me? Has that happened? Because if not, it can happen right now. Wherever you are, you can Stretch out your hands and you can receive the free gift of eternal life from Jesus Christ. The one who died and who rose again, who ascended to the right hand of the Father, who rules heaven. Listen, if you accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, you can go to bed tonight knowing that you are in a right relationship with God. Knowing that you are going to heaven. Because why? Because in God's eyes, it's already done. In God's eyes, you're already there. I want you to have that confidence, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. I want to give you a chance to pray right now and to receive the free gift of eternal life. Let's pray together. Father, this Easter Sunday, we remember that Jesus died on the cross to take away the sins of the world, to break the power of sin, to break the power of death to break the power of the prince of darkness. And he did. He conquered the grave. And on the third day, he rose again to new life, never to die again, with the power over the grave. Jesus, you ascended to the right hand of the Father, and you now rule heaven and earth. There are some listening right now who want to know that they're going to heaven. Maybe they had false confidence. They thought because they did certain things, they were acceptable to you. Or they thought because they avoided certain things that they'd be okay. Maybe they had no confidence. Maybe there are some people right now who feel like you could never love someone like them, but you are rich in mercy, abounding in love. And so wherever they are, I pray that they would right now talk to you by faith, that they would pray, even out loud, and that they would say this, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. You can go ahead and say that out loud. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. Jesus, I believe you came to save me. Say that in your own heart. Jesus, I believe you died for me. Jesus, I believe you rose again. Jesus, I believe you rule heaven. Save me. Be my king forever. Father, I pray that if any are praying that prayer right now that you would show them that in your eyes, it is finished. In your eyes, it's as if we're already there and we can live serving you joyfully, gladly because we have a right relationship with you. And Jesus, we give you all the glory, all the honor because you made the ultimate sacrifice to save us forever. And we pray all of this in the name of the King of Kings, and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Happy Easter. You are loved.